Pollock trying to steer around. Picked off center. They score! Feather back over to Manny. Splits the defense. He's shot. He scores! Back in his own end there was Shillington. Hard collision. BL centering feed. They score! This is Cuda Confidential, the official podcast of the San Jose Sharks AHL affiliate, the San Jose Barracuda. Here are your hosts, Nick Nolenberger and Joey Goldstein. All right, hello, welcome to another edition of the Cuda Confidential Podcast, the official podcast of the San Jose Barracuda American Hockey League affiliate of the San Jose Sharks. Nick Nolenberger here alongside marketing manager Joey Goldstein. Goldie, happy new year. We got through 2018. It was a pretty good start for the first half of the Barracuda. They sit atop the Pacific Division. It was announced that Roy Sommer officially will be the representative for the coaching staff for that Pacific Division at the All-Star Classic, which will be later this month in Springfield. So that's some exciting news for the Barracuda. But all in all, pretty good start to uh, the year. And hopefully, you know, we continue the trend and continue to compile some wins going into 2019 and have another long, sustained playoff run that everybody hopes here in San Jose that the Barracuda could put together yeah now's the time of the year where you start to really crank things up and and now it's it's go time not that it wasn't you know before but you're here in the second half of the season and, and this is where the the push and the hard work really starts to come through you know you get these a team where we get a lot of youth a lot of young guys first year playing professionally this is kind of that time of year where sometimes you see some young guys maybe hit a wall or they you know they start to slow down a little bit because they're not used to the, the pro game and all the demands that come with it but uh, you know, it'll be fun to watch as we, as we keep going here to see how our guys hold up and, and how this hot start kind of carries over into the 2019 year. Absolutely. And San Jose able to end 2018 on the right foot as they pick up a 6-5 win over the Stockton Heat. It was a seesaw style a game. San Jose never trailed in the game. But Stockton certainly made it interesting throughout as San Jose took a one nothing lead and then they went up two to one. Then they went up three to two. It was tied at three three in the second period. And then the Barracuda would score three unanswered. Vincent Praplin, certainly good to see him score a couple goals. He now has his second and third of the season. A guy who the expectations were high coming from Switzerland this offseason. He's been able to put up some assists, but the goals just haven't really come um, in the quantity he certainly would hope for. So to see him score twice, I know, was a relief for him, and it's uh, an encouraging sign going into 2019. But he gets a pair. San Jose scores three unanswered in that second period. And then in the third, it looked like it was all but in the books. And then Stockton scores a quick one. Um, less than three minutes into the period on the power play as Stockton goes two for two on the man advantage and then Ryan Lomberg ends up getting one but that was all that they could muster at that point San Jose badly out shooting Stockton 45-26 Yosef Kornosh picking up the victory improved to a perfect 6-0 in the month of December is one now is seven straight we did hear the announcement for the goaltender of the month it was not Kornosh a bit to our surprise but um, certainly uh, you know the guy who won it was you know I think uh was warranted deserving. as well. Deserving. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So it's sometimes just the way it goes. But um, certainly a, a heck of a month for the rookie net minor just continues to kind of, you know, check boxes off because there's always questions on can he sustain it? You know, is this a, a bit of just, you know, is this more fluky or is, is he is he legitimate? And I think so far he's proven that he's pretty darn good. Yeah, it was, it must have been after the, it must have been after that. Was it the Colorado game he played in? Right? He was a, a goalie when we played Colorado yep. on the 27th. Uh, after the game, uh, we had guys doing media, and I was sitting there. I was talking with uh, Antoine Bebo and Jake Middleton, and I think Roy. We were just kind of all hanging around around the stationary bikes as media was going on, and they were talking about the All Star, you know, situation. Oh, that's what that's how it happened. They were congratulating Roy on the All Star thing. They were talking about you know who else 
may go, and they were kind of mids and, and bibs were talking about what they thought, who they thought may represent the team from a playing standpoint, and they both brought up Gornash, which kind of bibs made, he said it's unbelievable. He just doesn't lose, <laughs> and he's he's right. He, every game he plays, he just seems to win, and I don't. And part of that maybe we're giving him a lot of support offensively, but he's even the games where it may not feel like we're we're dominating on the offensive end of the ice. You know, he's your best defenseman back there, and he's he's not letting anything through. He's he's played pretty darn well throughout the year. Yeah, Coronash, uh, he sits atop the American League with a 2.19 goals against average. He has a 9.18 save percentage, which is also tops in the league, uh, only behind Colin Delia, who's right now backing up in Chicago at the NHL level. So current American Hockey League goalies, he's first in save percentage as well. And he's got an incredible record of 13 uh, one and one on the year, so that's second in wins now too. So it's it's been an incredible season so far. It's a bit uh, just sometimes the way it works, but surprised that he hasn't had more accolades. He hasn't won a goaltender of the week. He hasn't won a goalie of the month. But I mean, that stuff I guess and doesn't it's, matter. It's all fluff. But it, in it's, the it's end, crazy to think about too. And we talked about it a little bit where he's a guy who last year when he was playing over in the Czech Republic didn't play a whole lot. He didn't have a lot of in-game experience. So to, to come into in what everybody calls the second best league in the world, to come in and just look unfazed by the pro game and, and the, the things that come with it, it's been kind of unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he played nine games last year in the Czech Republic in, in what's considered, I think, the second tier league. They're kind of like the American Hockey League. And only played the nine games in the year before he spent one season in the USHL. So it's a bit of a unique path he's taking because often you see guys who play uh, in the USHL go and play collegiately. Um, he decides go, to go back to the Czech Republic after signing that entry-level deal with San Jose. And if you would ask Evgeny Dabakov, is this the start that he you know, could see Koronash having? He probably would have said yes because that's how high that Nabokov thought of him and talked about um, Koronash coming out of development camp where they had him there two years ago. And uh, he was stellar, and they signed him from that point, and he's picked up, uh, you know, here in the American Hockey League, I guess right where they all thought he would, um, but it's still, it's impressive when you got a 20-year-old in a new league, you know, in a bit of an unfamiliar situation, he just continues to perform. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, he's still so young, mm -hmm. like 20 years old for, I mean, goalies, I feel like generally don't really come into their own until that mid-20s kind of range, that 25, 26 range, that's when you start to see whether or not guys are really legitimate, ready for that next step. He, I mean, he's, he already looks like he's years ahead of his, where most goalie development is. Obviously, there's a bit of a log jam in the goalie situation in this organization right now with Martin Jones and Aaron Dell, so there's obviously not a ton of room for movement, but it's got to be promising if you're a guy like, you know, Doug Wilson, even Joe Will, to, to see what you have down here, and a guy who came into the year as your number two goalie to kind of start taking the reins and, and showing at such a young age that you know, he can hold his own and compete, and hopefully it's not just, you know, we've said it's it's not like a fluky situation. He keeps proving everybody wrong and proving that it is a legitimate thing. So um, certainly a surprise. I, it's not something I don't think any of us expected coming into the year, but it's it's been a, a great thing to watch, and it's certainly helped our team get to where we are right now. And if he, if he ends up getting the All-Star nod, which we expect, you know, at the very least, one of the goalies will, that'd be three straight years in which you're sending a goalie to the All-Star Classic in the American League, which is pretty impressive. Obviously, Grosnick a couple of years ago in the Bebo last year. I think what uh, Coach Sommer is going to do this upcoming Friday is he's been switching the goalies where you get, you know, Joe will play mm -hmm. one game, then Bibbs will play one. You know, they'll switch off every other game. I think he's going to give Yosef the start on Friday and then Bibbs the start on Saturday. So that would be back-to-back -back start for Kornosh. 
due in part to the fact the way he's playing, as we mentioned, you know, he, he just continues to pick up wins. But he's also had a bit more success against San Diego. He's 1-0 and in the old game, and now Bibbs is coming off three consecutive losses against the goals just because of the way the schedule is set up. Mm -hmm. And that's a surge in goals team, so you maybe switch it up and just kind of flip-flop him. But I think that that's the plan for Roy this upcoming Friday is San Jose will head into San Diego riding now a three-game losing streak against the goals who continue to just kind of inch their way up in the division and are starting to look like a real contender despite being outside of the top four as we speak. And that's what we said. We, I mean, they're a good team. We knew they were a good team, but they just kind of had trouble piecing it together for whatever reason. Now it seems like they're kind of getting it. And it, you could go back to the, the trades we talked about a couple weeks ago. Maybe it's a little bit of a shake-up there, kind of a, an eye-opening thing for some of the guys in that roster, but... They're getting some outstanding play all throughout the line. I mean, Troy Terry is leading all rookies in points right now. It seems like he's got a point just about in every game he's played, with maybe the exception of, like, one. Uh, Sam Carrick scores, it seems like, every game for them. And uh, Boyle, the goaltender, has been red hot over their past five games. I don't think, he think he's got five straight wins. He's got right around a two, maybe it might even be sub two save percentage in, in those, that, that win streak. And uh, he's been a big reason. He's a, he was, I think, the reason that they beat us on Sunday when, when they were in town. He was unbelievable. I mean, I felt like we got some great chances and he got, everything was just squared up. Their rebound control was well, pushing everything in the corners and, and really didn't give San, suffocating almost. He didn't give San Jose a chance to, to really make any progress. Had you, had you score early against them maybe it changes the whole outcome of the game but he he was great and it really didn't let you get into a rhythm absolutely I mean San Jose badly outshot San Diego in that game and it was San Diego's kind of opportunistic offense that was the difference as they you know cruised to a pretty comfortable victory so San Jose will try to get back in the win column against the goals this upcoming Friday and then they'll turn around the following night just like we did a few weeks ago and we'll bus up to uh, Ontario we'll take on the rain the next day um, the start in Ontario on Saturday I believe is a earlier start than what we're normal um, normally down there it's a six o'clock start instead of uh, seven if I'm not mistaken so That'll be another test for San Jose going back on the road and taking on a goals team that is certainly surging. And you mentioned um, the play of Troy Terry. He has just four games this season and 26 of them, not mistaken, in which he hasn't earned a point. He's riding a nine-game point streak, had 11-gamer earlier this year to start his American Hockey League career. So he is putting points together in bunches and certainly will be a favorite if he continues to stay with the goals as a potential, you know, all-rookie member, maybe even the rookie of the year um, if he continues the trend he's on. Yeah, you got I mean, you wonder why Anaheim maybe hasn't given him a look. I, I don't know what their situation is on the NHL side. Maybe there's just a development thing. Maybe they just don't have the space. But yeah, he leads uh, all rookies in points right now with 31, which is uh, one ahead of uh, Alex Barry Boulay, who's in uh, Syracuse. But he also leads all rookies in assists with 19. Uh, so I mean, he's just... Talent shines through, right? And he's one of those guys who's talented. We saw it. He, you know, he played in the Olympics, and he's we've seen it in World Juniors. He's a guy who kind of continues to play on every level. He did it at, at Denver. I'm sure I haven't actually talked with Dylan Gambrell much about him, but I'm sure he would say it doesn't come as a surprise to him at all the way he's played. So um, certainly would, would help us if he was up with Anaheim as opposed to San Diego. But, uh, you know, it's, it kind of goes back to the way talent is in general in the, in the American Hockey League, especially with our division with some of these teams being so deep. You get to see some pretty good players come through, and uh, whether they're on our team or one of these opposing teams, 
Um, somebody to watch out for. Max Jones, too, another rookie playing for San Diego who kind of is a bit of a killer for San Jose. I feel like he scores every time we play against them. Yeah, he just, he, especially he scored that brilliant goal in between the legs. And, you know, he came in as a, he's another first-round pick. Terry was a fifth-rounder, um, so he's been become, you know, one of their highly touted prospects as a later draft selection. But, yeah, Max Jones has really been a thorn in San Jose's side. Um, part of, you know, a three-headed monster, three first-round picks that were on San Diego earlier this year. Um, one of them is now playing in the World Juniors, so they've got two of them um, in Sam Steele and Max Jones. But Jones is five uh, points and three goals in four games against San Jose. So he is, uh, I believe he scored in his last three straight against the Barracuda. And he's a guy who, you know, plays on the edge, likes to play with a sense of toughness, too. Um, we haven't seen as much of that. He's been playing more of a skill game, but... You know, you go down, up and down the list, Sam Carrick, you know, has been a bit of a thorn in San Jose's side. He's kind of been lighting it up throughout the season, though. Um, but they've got a lot of pieces, and it's no surprise that, uh, that they're kind of inching back up and into the conversation. Another guy I think that uh, I was impressed with um, in the first time we saw him in a goals uniform was defenseman Trevor Murphy, who they just made a trade with with uh, the Tucson Roadrunners. And Murphy's kind of a puck-moving offensive-style defensive. They don't have a lot. They have some veteran um, blue liners in the back end. And didn't really have that guy that you, you could look to to add offense necessarily on the, on the uh, blue line. So Murphy has come in in the two games, and I thought he's been pretty impressive. Scored in his debut against Bakersfield, and then I thought he was pretty good too the other night. So um, they're going to be they're going to be a tough uh, tough customer. San Jose would play uh, San Diego over the season ten times. So um, we've still got six more to go. Yeah. Um, so plenty to go uh, against in between these two teams. Yeah, we'll see them quite a bit and. We talk a uh, talk a lot about San Diego, but it's it's we don't want to overlook you know what's happening here, right under our nose either. I mean, Prince Perron still kind of leads the way for us, twenty seven points. But right up on his heels is is guy we talked to on our last episode is Alexander True. He's only three you know three points off of of setting the pace here for for the Barracuda, and he's been a guy who's come through in his second year and has seems like he's took maybe a little while to get get going, but once he figured figured it out and. He said he talked to Jimmy Bono a bit and realized all of his goals were kind of coming from the greasy areas. And the more he's gone to that area, the more he's continued to put up points. He's the only other guy aside from Piranha who's in double digits with goals right now. He's tied for the team lead in assists, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, or second uh, in assists behind uh, Kyle Wood tied with Francis Perron. So uh, it's nice to see a guy like that you know, lead the way, especially a guy who coming in undrafted and you know, things like that. You, you, you never really know what you're going to get out of guys like that, but he's been great. Absolutely. And then Dylan Gambrell's found his stride as well. He's on a five-game point streak and has really began to put uh, pucks into the back of that in bunches. So you're just getting, you know, contributions up and down the lineup. And there's still some guys, I think that's the most intriguing part for me, there's still some guys that are, we're kind of waiting on to, to start finding their stride. If you get everybody kind of clicking at the right time, I mean, it's going to be a really, really tough. And that's to and that's against. what happened early on in the year is everybody kind of clicked right away, and True. then you know some guys maybe hit hit a bit of a drop off or or maybe hit a bit of a wall, whatever it may be. Uh, but yeah, the minute some of those guys you know find their groove again and, and get a hold of things, this team's going to be tough to play against. A guy like Halvgawax, Max Latunov, if Evan Weinger gets hot again, I mean Vincent Prapp, when hopefully this is kind of the start of a turnaround for him. If guys like that kind of get going, this team's going to be even tougher to play against and. You know, our five-on-five play is tremendous. Once that power play actually, you know, starts to click, it's going to be even tougher to, for us to, you know, for teams to come in here or for us to go into places, teams to play against us. Um, so I'm kind of waiting for that to kind of shine through too is with the, with the power play. So yeah. who knows? Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. So we've got a few uh, 
few questions, right? That we yeah. had, we had fans. We do remind fans, you know, we're recording these podcasts every week. So if you ever have questions, you're just curious curious about things that, you know, until the the Barracuda, send them our way via social media, and we'll try our best to answer some of these um, as we record these podcasts. But Joe has the questions, so we'll answer a few of those uh, fan questions and give you a bit of an inside look. Yeah. So the first one came uh, came through Twitter. It was actually uh, last time we recorded, but this came up uh, after we had finished recording, so we didn't get a chance to get to it last time. But the question was, who do you think the next uh, player to be recalled is? Um, so that's kind of a... It's a good question. Yeah, it's a good one. And it, it's tough because I think there's really, I mean, you can look, obviously Rourke has gone up and down, and Gambrell and Suomel have kind of gone up and down, but I kind of want to look outside of those three and see, you know, who else may may get that opportunity. I, I, you got to think Francis Perron's that guy to maybe get a look at some point, especially he's a guy he's on the last year of his deal. Maybe the the big club gives him a look to see, you know, where where he kind of stands, if it's somebody they, they want to continue to invest in down the line. Um, and obviously he's he's played, he's leading the way for us all across the board. So I think maybe he's the, the next guy outside of those three who've kind of gone back and forth already who kind of gets that shot. Yeah, it's interesting because there's just not a lot of room, even though um, – I think Schimmick's going to be out for a bit. We'll see how long mm-hmm. after taking that hit from Sam Bennett the other night. Um, so that does, you know, thin your back end. But there's guys waiting in the wings. You know, there's a Tim He, there's a Yoko Ryan that haven't been in the lineup on a consistent basis as of late. So, you know, it's not like there's an injury and now you've got to call a guy up from the American mm-hmm. Hockey League. There's still a couple guys kind of waiting in the wings to get opportunities um, with the Sharks. So I expect there not to be a D-man called up. Um, if there was a D-man, the first guy in the line would probably be Jake Middleton. Mm-hmm. I think that's pretty clear, um, being that it's his third year and the way that in style of play that he plays. Um, from a forward standpoint, as you mentioned, there's kind of the big three. Lukas Radil, I think, is an established guy up there now. He just scored again. He's got his fourth. Yeah, they like him a lot. I don't he's think older. We're going to see him. Yeah, again. he's 28. I mean, he's older. They like his play. Um, and then you go down the list and the Gambrells and Suomelas and Rourke Chartier's up right now. So those are kind of the. the it's tough too because you 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 don't want to call somebody up and our our, our guys are so young. You don't want to bring somebody up to and, and stunt their development. And just have and, them sit there either. Right. It's, it's more valuable for them to come down and, and play valuable minutes with the American League as opposed to maybe watching from the press box or playing, you know, seven or eight minutes a night with the with the big club. You know, for someone, Gambrell's a perfect example of that. For him to be able to come down here and play in all areas of the game, play those top line minutes where if he was up playing with the Sharks, might be in a fourth line role. As, as great as it would be to play for the Sharks, this is going to be a great thing for his development and kind of get him to that standpoint so you also got to look at it from that way too where you don't want to rush anybody so uh it's tough I don't know it's it's nice having that depth because it's kind of keeps our Barracuda team intact a bit yeah and this team important. has been pretty intact the two two years ago when the club got all the way to the conference finals there was a lot of players moving up and yeah. down I mean Timo Meyer, Kevin LeBanc you know Ryan Carpenter Sorensen. Goodrow, Marcus Sorensen yeah. just go down the list and there's tons of guys that are going up and down. This hasn't been really necessarily the same type of situation this year. It's almost like a bonus when we've gotten guys down, you know, that were up, like a Gambrell yeah. or a Sumella. So, yeah, it would probably be Francis Perron. The thing is, though, with Perron, as well as he's played, you don't see him going up and being a fourth-line checking role. He's more of a skill-type player, right. you know, who has a, you know, scores on, on more so on the perimeter than mm-hmm. inside. So, you know, that would be an interesting situation. Let's say hypothetically he was called up. You'd probably see Pete put him on the, you know, the second or third line with some good skilled players, you know, because that more so fits his style of play. Yeah, and you, 
I mean, and you hope that we don't have to send anybody up. Yeah. Because if we send somebody up, in all likelihood, it's because there's an injury or something with the big club, and you know, we hope that that doesn't ever happen. So, hopefully, we we don't have to. Hopefully, all this all this talk about who's going to go up next is is irrelevant because yep. if nobody gets hurt, then we should should be intact for the most part, which is is a nice little perk to have. Absolutely. Um, real quick before I go on to the next question, I'm just seeing that uh, Joachim Blickfield is ha- uh, named. WHL Player of the Month, uh, which would be the second time he's won that now uh, for the dub. So yeah, he and won then, the entire Canadian Hockey League Player yeah. of the Week, I believe. Yeah. Uh, so I wonder if uh, I don't know. I, I haven't looked to see what his numbers look like, but maybe uh, something like that's the fall. So congratulations to him. He's a guy who we would expect to to join the Barracuda later in the spring, depending on what happens with uh, Portland and and their their little playoff run uh, as they go to win the, the WHL and then hopefully on to the Memorial Cup. But he's a guy who could join us later on, aside with uh, along with some other hopefully big-name prospects within the organization who aren't here yet. Yep, and a quick note, too, as you talk about prospects, World Juniors are going on, obviously, right now. Sasha Shemilevsky for Team USA scored has already day. scored a goal. Um, he has a few points now for, for the U.S. And then Ivan Djokovic, he's been lighting up the QMJHL, and he has carried that over into the World Juniors. Well, he, so Ivan didn't, didn't play – he didn't end up making the roster. They sent him home uh, late. I don't know if I think he had a I think he had a back injury. I thought that's what I read. Um, so they sent him home from World Junior. So he's actually not playing okay, yep, uh, yep, for right. Russia right now. But he was a guy who I think they they were counting on if he was healthy to kind of help them out. But uh, yeah, Sasha Shemilevsky's I, th- I think now is the lone Sharks prospect playing over there. Yep, so yeah. Uh, Representing well for for Team USA and hopefully I think they they play tonight or yeah I believe they yeah, do I think they, they play, play the Czech Republic yeah yep. so in should the, be fun in to second round so should be fun to watch that let me grab our second question here uh, this one comes through Instagram uh, can the Cuda wear orange on fan appreciation night so uh, the with the orange jersey we are only going to wear those once this year. Uh, we're going to wear them on February 18th, and that'll be a Monday. It's a doubleheader game, so we're going to play at 115, where the Sharks will play later in the day against, I believe, the Boston Bruins. Uh, but we're going to have uh, the orange jerseys. It'll be the only time this year where we are uh, bringing those out. Uh, we're going to have, so obviously, you'll be able to bid on the jerseys like you are with all of our specialty jerseys, but we're also going to do a replica giveaway for the first 4,000 people into the building. Uh, and it'd be really cool to, you know, you see blackouts and whiteout nights at different sporting events. It'd be cool to get everybody in orange and see what it would, the arena would look like, you know, with everybody in an orange shirt. I'm sure we'll, we'll do our parts and wearing some orange ties and whatnot. And oh, maybe we can find an orange suit. Who knows? <laughs> sure we can find it. But, uh, 2019, they've got every color. <laughs> it'll be good. And then, you know, I, I, I don't know, you know, hopefully uh, the orange is something that makes a comeback uh, eventually down the line here. I know we're... We're working behind the scenes to see what we can do. But uh, I think if all goes well, well, we'll bring the orange back for uh, you know as an alternate here down the line. So exciting stuff on the promotional standpoint, at yep. least with the orange jersey. So no, we won't be wearing them for fan appreciation night, but they are a fan favorite, and we will see them back at some point this year. And we're kind of racing through the uh, through the throwback nights because over the next two months, that will wrap it up. Yeah. So we, we'll have two over the next couple of weeks. Um, we'll have Worcester Sharks night. That's coming up on January 13th. That's a 3 o'clock game against Stockton. And then Kentucky Thoroughblades uh, day is a 115 start on February 2nd, so early February, and that's again against Stockton. So, yeah. you know, that'll then we'll have the orange jerseys too yeah. in February. So. Next week, too, we'll, we'll hit more on the Worcester stuff. Hopefully, uh, 
you know, we'd grab uh, someone like Jimmy Bono or maybe even Johnny Mack and sit down and talk with them about their time. I know Jimmy's got some amazing stories yes. from his time in Worcester, <laughs> including uh, there's the time where Jimmy dressed up as the backup goaltender. Yep. He broadcasted games at one point <laughs> while he was a player there. So he's, he's got a lot of stories. Um, there's a picture floating around him in the goalie gear when he was backing up. It's, it's pretty good. I think that one year he did everything shy of uh, driving the Zamboni. <laughs> but so he, he's probably got some good stories. So maybe we'll bring him on next week and, and, and see if he can share some of those with us. Uh, next question. This one was actually brought up to me at uh, the game on Sunday. Again, today. Uh, the thoughts on a future ECHL team playing at the Chase Center in San Francisco. So Chase Center is obviously where they're planning on moving the Warriors uh, in a couple of years here. Going to be a, a very big venue. Uh, similar to SAP, if not a little bit bigger than what we've currently got. Um, I don't know if that's likely, given the fact that the arena is going to be so big. Uh, that's kind of hard to, I guess, justify as putting a team there, especially an ECHL team who, who may have a tougher time than, than some AHL teams do. Also, I don't know if an ECH, the ECHL is looking to make a move into the you know, the California area. I mean, they were there before, but it seems like they've, they've got a pretty good thing going right now with a pretty heavy East Coast press and presence and, and some middle-of-the-country teams, but I don't, I don't think uh, an ECHL team is going to make its way to San no. Francisco. No, I would say no chance because yeah. they'd be on an island, you know, and they'd have to fly out, and why would you put an ECHL team when you've already got an NHL and an American League team in yeah. the same market? It's just not going to happen. And I don't even know if it's an adaptable arena for ice yeah, because the not. China One Center – if I'm not mistaken, that's the name of the, the new arena for the Sacramento Kings. That's uh, not Golden One Center. Golden yeah. One Center. China One Center. I don't know what, what I was thinking. Golden yeah, they're one. not. Um, um, they, they, they can't. They can't put ice. Yeah. So I don't even know if they're going to have that at the Chase Center. So yeah. that's no, probably not. Yeah, probably, probably not. not. Good hopeful, question. Hopeful thinking. Yeah, yeah. Cool. It would be cool. But I just don't think, I don't think that's something. The, that's uh, the last question I got here through Instagram, not really a question. It's just more of a statement. Just says John Martin. Just says John Martin. So big John, big John Martin. We can talk a little bit about John Martin and uh, what his game's been so far this year. I mean, 21 games, four goals, six assists for 10 total points. I actually think there's he's shown some flashes flashes of greatness so far this year. I mean, he's done some really good things on occasion when he's had the puck on his stick. And he plays with that big, physical, heavy game that uh, maybe we haven't seen a ton of in years past from some of our guys. I think... Every time we're watching a, a CUDA game and, you know, the crowd cheers for a big hit, generally John Martin's on the uh, the giving end of that, which is nice. Yeah, he's been throwing the body around. He's a big kid, 6'2", and he's north of 220 pounds. This is the third year of that entry-level contract that he signed with the Sharks, you know, a couple years ago. So this was a pivotal year for him, and, yeah, we have seen some big strides for him. He wasn't in the lineup on a full-time basis earlier this year, and now he's really found a home with Hobgoax and True on a line. Um, I want to say he has, well, he has a couple goals over his last four games and is a total of four now. So, yeah, we've seen a, you know, a lot of positives, I think, from John. And I wouldn't see him coming out of the lineup anytime soon. No. I think he's been a really good player for the, for the team. Yeah, is, his he's, role. he's a guy who doesn't have to really put up points to be a presence. It's yes. like I said, if he can you know, throw his weight around he, and he moves quick, he's a, for a big guy, he's fast, and he creates some pressure, creates turnovers, and that's really what you're looking for. Uh, for guys for maybe in a, in a bottom six role within, with, any, with any team. is someone who can kind of disturb the flow of a game and, and kind of get things going. So he's been great. Uh, and like you said, he's, he's found a home with, with Truzy, and whether it's Hovgawaks or, uh, or Perron before that, um, 
definitely some good chemistry there. So hopefully it's something he can keep uh, keep building on. Big John. Big yeah, good John point Murray. though that he was he was with Perron prior, and then Perron didn't play on yeah. uh, Sunday, so um, they kicked Hobgwax uh, out of line, and he he was able to score. Added uh, two points actually to John Martin. So he's been another guy. I mean, there's a lot of guys that are you know, finding their niche on this team and are yeah. playing that's you know their specific role. And you need that type of stuff. You know, not everybody can, can be a skilled high-end, you know, skilled type forward. Some guys got to throw the body around, and they got to play more of a greasy style of game. But I've liked uh, John Martin's game for sure this year in his third year of pro hockey. I think that might be all we got for questions this week. Give yeah. it one more look, but, yeah, that's, that's all we got. Yep. So just a reminder, fans, throw those questions in, whatever you have, ask yeah. away. And they don't have to be, you know, the day we ask for them. If yep. you've got questions throughout, if you see us at a game or whatever it may be, let us know. Well, I mean, we'll, it could be about the Barracuda, it could be about promotions, whatever you want. If you want to know what Nick's favorite color is or if he's got any <laughs> pregame superstitions, we'll get to the bottom of it. We will find out. I don't know if his favorite color is orange or brown, but it's possible. It is orange. It, it is, is orange. orange, yes. It is orange. So don't ask that question. We just answered it. Yes. But, you know, we got questions. Send them our way. We have fun answering them. Um, but, yeah, I think that will wrap it up for the week. I mean, we're a little bit limited coming out of the, you know, the turn of the new year and having a couple of days off. So Have we talked since, since Christmas? I don't think no, so. No, I believe we've recorded before right Christmas. Right before? And then, yeah, we had a couple of weeks off just because of, you know, new year and stuff. So. Well, what what'd, what'd you get? What did Santa bring you? Oh, what did Santa bring me? Yeah. Um. What did Santa bring me? Uh, we don't really do presents really big now. It's kind of, we have a niece and I have a niece and a nephew and everybody kind of spoils them. And we'll do a white elephant. We did white elephant. Yeah. So what did I win on the white elephant? I won two sleeping bags. <laughs> two sleeping bags. <laughs> All right. Um, two sleeping bags is better than one, they zip, I guess. They, they zip together. So it's like a, it's like a queen sleeping bag. Ah. So it's kind of cool. I like camping. So I was like, oh, that's not a bad gift. Uh, but I guess that'll force my hand to go uh, this summer because I didn't go last summer. I like to go to Big Sur go camping down there and stuff so nice how about you anything for the holidays you get that not a whole lot yeah you know the usual clothes yep some extra spending money here and there uh, spending I, money goes a long way yeah but it's like i don't i don't know i don't i feel like i don't need anything there's nothing really that i want right now so the the spending money is just kind of sitting there waiting until i figure something out I, yeah i don't know you don't feel i feel like i i don't feel as guilty when you have some money that someone gave you for christmas because then or you know whatever it is, whatever yeah. holiday. Um, because then you're like, you know, I should be spending on something I want and I probably wouldn't buy normally. So that's a, that's a good one. At this age, when you're getting a little older, it's like all you want is money. Yeah. So, but yeah, I had a good break. Decided for the second half, get going here. So yeah, should be it'll fun. be good. I'm, I, I think, you know, we're expecting some big things, obviously, from this team and expecting a nice little long run here. And at some point, the... You know, with the the way we started off, it's uh, had to kind of come back down to earth eventually. And I don't know if it's true come down to earth, like you know, you kind of get put in check a little bit. I don't think we've gotten to that, but I think we've kind of we're obviously not as hot as we were when we started the year. But this team is still a very talented team, and we're still obviously winning games and, and staying ahead of the the rest of the division. So um, hopefully, it's one of those things where guys uh, that we're waiting to kind of hit their stride again do so and, and keep things rolling one thing i am looking forward to on the second half our schedule has just been a little bit uh unique in in the travel we we really hadn't i mean before december we hadn't played san diego and we'd only played ontario once before we're december. gonna start seeing a lot of new teams we're gonna see new teams we're going to grand rapids we're going to iowa 
you know, we're going back to San Diego a couple more times. We've got Ontario a few more times on the schedule. Um, you know, we'll go back to Tucson. We go back to Colorado at the end of the year. Mm -hmm. So there's some trips ahead. Texas is coming in again. Texas coming in. San Antonio is coming again. Or, no, we no, already played San Antonio. Texas. We're done with Texas them. Texas comes in, but that's yep. it. So that'll be fun. Another central team uh, now as members of the central division. So there's some things on the horizon, some exciting stuff. We've got a lot of promotional stuff coming over the next couple months. So Good teams, too. I, mean, I was... Iowa's a good team. They're, yep. they're leading the way for the, if I'm not mistaken. Second in the, in the Central. Um, I thought, that was, there, was their coach going to the, uh, the All-Star game for the Central? I thought so. He may be. They have a, I think he might be. Yeah, he is. They've a 6.52 winning percentage. Yep. Chicago has one additional point. 18, but 8, 4, and 3. They're going. Uh, Tim Army. Let's see what it says here. 30 years of coaching experience in his career, 15 seasons in the NHL as an assistant with Anaheim, Washington, and Colorado. This is his first time at the All-Star Classic. Uh, Benoit Gruel Gru, uh, is coaching for the North Division. He's Syracuse's coach right now. They are 28-2-0. Um, they were he's won a division title with Syracuse, trip to the Calder Cup. Um, they're at Syracuse. Thank is, you. They are a wagon of a team. That organization in general, that Tampa Bay organization, is unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, they they're both – they're one of those teams that, you know, similar to the Sharks and the Cuda right now where you get two teams who could kind of compete in the Stanley Cup. And, and to call their cup, that's a team in the AHL and NHL that could do the same, same thing. Um, you could see Tampa easily winning a cup, and Syracuse is a team who's going to be in the mix to the end of the year too. Mike Vellucci is coaching the Atlantic Division. He's the Charlotte head coach. They are uh, they're rolling too. They've actually got the best uh, best record in all of the AHL right now at twenty four eight and three. Uh, second season with the Checkers. This is his first time coaching the All Star Classic. And then obviously Roy, eighteen six one and three, uh, with us here in San Jose. This is twenty first year coaching. Twenty first year coaching. Uh, obviously the AHL's all time win leader. Games coached. Uh, he's coached twice before. He coached Planet USA in 2000 when it was uh, split between Planet USA and I think World All-Stars. And uh, he coached the Eastern Conference in 2015. So no stranger to the All-Star game, no stranger to Springfield, having played there a lot when he was in Worcester. So um, I'm sure he'll, he's excited to get back and maybe see some people yeah. uh, that he hasn't seen in a little while. So back to the old should be fun. Grounds. Yeah, it should be fun. All-Star all -star, uh, festivities are always fun. Um, you'll be out there. I will. So, I'll be out there. By the time we talk next week, we'll know which two player representatives yep. are going with us. So yep. we'll be able to we'll talk, all we'll talk about that. Maybe bring, depending on who it is, maybe bring one of them on too and, and chat with us a little bit about what's going on. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll record, you know, as soon as we come back from, from the All-Star game and, and I can give you guys a full recap of how it all went. Should be fun though. It should be. Should be. I'm excited for that too. So a lot of stuff coming up. A lot of good stuff, exciting stuff. So We'll have more content to go over on the podcast as we continue, and we'll be back uh, back at it again next week. So every Wednesday, reminder, every Wednesday we have a podcast. This is episode number 10. We're in double digits, Joe. Let's go. So we're hitting our stride. We're just yeah. getting comfortable. I heard if once we hit double digits, we can get to iTunes. Or once we get to 12, we can get on iTunes. Ooh. That's ooh, what I was told. A little birdie named Aaron Fonseca told me that. <laughs> so we'll see. Cool. Cool. We'll see. All right, Joe. Well, all good? We're good. All right. Have a good week, guys. We'll talk to you next Wednesday. See you.